Hello, my name is Lara Campbell. I'm an abolitionist vegan from British Columbia, Canada. You can find me on Facebook and you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Welcome to another episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, a front for the Invercargill Vegan Society and her one member. I'd like to get back into the old boring format of covering current news stories. I'll still have special episodes where I go out of my way to bash something or someone, but for now, let's cover the news. I'll make sure to do it in a heavily slanted and unreliable fashion. Before I can begin, I must apologise to anyone, and by that I mean pretty much everyone, who had my iTunes feed go nuts. Cashew, pistachio, peanut. It went crazy. It may have, it probably started downloading every previous episode all over again. All 40 of them. For that, I'm sorry. I fixed some wacko iTunes RSS feed thing with the help of listener and friend Ben. A great guy. Michael Jackson should write a song about you, Ben. Anyway, the iTunes feed should be sorted now. I've gotten a second comment from another person who loved my little show, but noticed that I'd frigged up a link to episode 20. It's nice to think people are going through the back catalogue. You can find direct links on the right side of my blog, or hopefully iTunes will damn well work this time. I really like it when people subscribe in iTunes, so I automatically get my episodes. But, Conrad, who mentioned the busted link, is also Canadian. What's the deal, guys? Eh? Canada's on my case or something. Is this about that time in high school English when I corrected our English teacher, a former Canuck, or Canuck, however you say that. It's a deliberate error if I said it wrong, or if I'm right, ignore my bet hedging. Our English teacher who was born in Canada once used the letter Z, probably said in her head Z, instead of S. She was actually quite pissed about the only time I thought a teacher would hit me, although it would be odd not to point out when the English teacher misspells the word though, right? But ever since then, whenever I get a bomb in the mail, it's from a Canadian. Hey, that last episode sucked. It sucked so bad I thought I should send this IED to the dark side of the world and... So about the crazy iTunes situation. The easiest solution may be to delete all previous episodes and let the damn thing re-download everything. I'm sorry about that, especially to my listeners in Soviet Gulag of New Zealand, who have to deal with bandwidth caps getting so much data at broadband speeds before having the life throttled out of you, down to an inhumane, un-Peter-approved, non-Temple Grandin-designed 8 kilobytes a second. Do you know that in our minor island nation of New Zealand, along with having Grandma put to sleep by the death panels when she hits the big 3-0, we also start each day with a government-subsidised bowl of cereal? Oh, come on, come on, guys, come on. I am the, the worst person in that. My accent has been stereotyped in every single form of media, from mu- games to movies to music to adverts to cereal boxes to everything. You know, it's always this Russian guy. Cereal boxes? I'm sure there is a cereal cereal box. I'm sure there is communist <laughs> crunch. Communist crunch. You know the 
<laughs> Come in, it's crunch. Wake up. <laughs> this has been Wake up in the morning for that genuine taste of communism with communist crunch. No, no, it wouldn't be like that. It would be like, wake up in the morning and before you go to work in the steel metal factory, enjoy the taste of normalism. And, and think of how lucky you are not to be living in one of those dogmatic capitalist pigs <laughs> where choice is available. Who needs choice when you have communist <laughs> and then they play some of this like Russian choir music. <laughs> and it's gov- gov- government subsidized cereal. It's, it's not made in food stamps. Sort of a international factory. I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to find like the Soviet music that I'm listening to. Listening the, the Soviet music that I'm trying to um, <laughs> trying to play Soviet red Soviet Red Revolution. Okay, let's try this one. Hold on. Let me try this one. This could be the soundtrack for um, Communist Crunch. (laughs) Hold on. Let me... uh... Javier, keep talking while the soundtrack loads. Well, the only one that I had seen sort of like that, I don't know if you guys know know it. Hello, comrades. Do you not have good time waking up in the morning? Well then, eat some communist crunch and feel ready to go wrestle there in the wood, then drink vodka and work in coal mine. Communist crunch gets you through the day and makes you work hard. Communist crunch. What do you think? <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Excellent. I'll yeah. buy communist crunch. <laughs> it's probably cheaper anyway. <laughs> You have to say that every spoonful is equally as bland and the same. Each spoonful is equal in every way. Except some some spoonfuls are more equal than others, lest we forget. Those, no, no, no. You, what will happen to... Like, some have a little bit more money than the others. <laughs> some no, some no, steal no. more from the government than no, others. We, we, we can do that. That could, that could be like a... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just looking for these random Soviet Union soundtracks. <laughs> that can be like the second callback advert, you know. Like you, you open up Communist Crunch, and if there's an, hello, comrade. If you open up Communist Crunch and find an abnormal communist serial in there, report it to the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no prizes in every box, Jordan. That's for dogmatic <laughs> scum. Kelvin. By the way, the breaking and stuttering, that's what 8 kilobytes a second of multi-person Skype sounds like. I'm proud to appear on two shows with my good Ukrainian-born friend Andrew, the Patriot cast about Metal Gear Solid, and MJ cast about, you know, Michael Jordan. Or, you know, some other guy who liked to sing, I forget which one. I think it's rather impressive that the Patriot Cast show has friends from all around the world meeting to share a common interest in a video game series. Our cast uses the token Costa Rican living in California, your stereotypical Irish guy with an IQ of over 9,000, the cliched Ukrainian who simplifies for the dumb Westerners by saying, I'm from Russia, we could see Alaska from my house the stock character New Zealand vegan guy, and one or two un-Americans. Not very stereotypical, because they're always the quietest people on the show. We're like a Michael Jackson music video, with all the children around the world singing, holding hands in unity. It's pretty cool. 
We do have cultural differences, though, because in Soviet Russia, you pronounce Reuters like Reuters, and only two of us have read Animal Farm. Or, like Javier, you know, with the old Australian trick of spelt with a J, said like an H, I've finally gotten used to it. At first I wanted to keep calling him Javier, like in Les Mis. And I'm Javier, do not forget my name, 24601. You know, all that stuff. You'll find links to both my other shows in the show notes for this episode, www.bit.ly slash coexist41, and that's in, in the, you know, numbers 4 and 1. I make a new bit.ly link for each episode, coexist, and then the episode number. Here are a couple of interesting clips I've caught. Have you ever wondered how no vegan food is disgusting? Well, apart from mushrooms. Sorry, pal. I'm telling it like it is. This first clip is from This Week in Tech. I, I got the pinnacle of disgusting right here. I'm what, in, you don't like kimchi? No, I love kimchi, actually. I was just thinking. <laughs> but here's, but I'm in France. It stinks I, up the this, house, though, I've done this every time I've been in France. I think I speak French, and I don't. <laughs> and I'm in a restaurant, and I'm reading a menu. I do that. And I see Vo, and I know, oh, that's veal. I, I, I don't notice that it says, before the Vo, re de Vo. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking? You know where I'm going I have with this? No idea where you're going, but yeah. it sounds bad. Well, the, okay. The last time I'm at Le Petit Zinc, great restaurant in France, but it's country French, and I see oreille de cochon, and which Ooh. means literally pig's ear. But I thought, oh, they're not. That couldn't be. They're probably it's a pastry. So what am I? I'm an idiot. I order it. It's a pig's ear. Yeah, rubbery. Uh, that's what it, that is. I've had it. Okay. Did you so, eat it? If you like, yeah, pig's ears are actually quite tasty. I think pig's feet are more interesting because they have more, they have a, there's a certain really great quality about a pig's foot. It has this, this, this gristles takes on a certain characteristic that you get, by the way, with well-cooked barbecued pork ribs. You'll get certain pieces of the, of the, of this kind of the tendons that turn into this gelatinous weird matter. Very tasty. I so think much I, for the segue, Will. I think I've become a vegetarian. So so well, uh, kimchi. So I order Redevo. Veal, love it. And Ooh, by Rita the way, Vo. very tender, delicious, uh, wonderful. And then I realize, oh, that's not veal cutlet. <laughs> what did you think it was? Sweet friends. It's thyroid yeah. glands. No wonder it's tender. <laughs> thymus gland mostly. Thymus, yeah. thymus gland. Yeah. Delicious. Wow. Actually it was delicious. And by the way, when you buy a duck from a Chinese re- place where they have the d- hanging ducks, yes. you know you can buy a whole duck yes. that's barbecued or yes. roasted. If, yes. you t- if you pull off the neck, yes. you pull off the neck, and you take the skin off of the neck that you pull off, you'll find a little bitty miniature sweet bread right in there. It's a little bitty pea side, a little smaller than a pea, and it tastes just like Rita Vo. It's amazing. It's delicious. What? Or this clip from No Agenda about how supposedly Bill Clinton looks awful, even though he has more than enough energy to take over from that Barry guy. Clinton was incredible taking press questions, while that current, I'm going to close Gitmo on day one, you can take that to the bank, president ran off to his wife's Christmas party. Adam and John were bashing how Clinton looked before he was supposedly vegan, and they're still bashing him now when he's supposedly vegan. Clinton is a, is an insufferable bore at this point. And by the way, did you see him getting out of his limo to come to that meeting? No, no, I the didn't. The guy see that. looks like he's a walking dead man. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? If he doesn't, if he lives another five years, it's going to be a miracle. 
He's uh, he's gone on a vegan diet or vegan yeah. diet, which and he, makes him look really gray and ashen. He's totally gray and ashen, and he's and he's skinny. Yeah, and he's and he can barely walk. He looks like he's barely able to you know just staggering. There's not getting enough protein. His system's not used to this sort of thing, and he's he looks he, he, he's looking like Steve Jobs. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's just not healthy look. It's it's like this. Yeah, you I know, agree. He doesn't look good. Well. Hey, I pay a lot of money to try and look like Steve Jobs. I start off every day with my bowl of communist crunch, then wear my New Balance 911s, blue jeans, and a black mock turtleneck. I have no idea why Clinton was bashed. I don't think he looks any different now he's said to be vegan. Although, I guess I would say that, wouldn't I? Oh, I'm ravaged by veganism. I have to sleep 20 hours a day. I'm shrinking more and more each day, and I'm only 23. Oh... And finally, a hit piece on our beloved Invercargill Vegan Society from NZ Vegan Podcast. Those big show-offs with their two members and everything. Now they need to go and have some fancy pants website. And we do have somebody, um, I would like to give a shout out to Shlomi, and I don't know if I pronounce his name right, but he's um, a web designer and he's going to do our website for us, man. Okay. So we're going to have like a proper website. It's not going to be like my blog spot, (laughs) you know, website. It'll be a proper, you know, website. Those big shot Aucklanders, a free blog spot site is more than good enough for the respectable Invercargill Vegan Society. You can find their fancy new website at www.aabva.org, the Auckland Abolitionist Vegans Association. And yes, they turned their back on their country by not using a .org.nz domain. Although, possibly it was cheaper to use the American .org. If they did it to save money, then that's cool. All New Zealand-based vegan societies and associations are hard up for cash. It's like those large welfare groups with their fancy HQ buildings, the big show-off groups, with their two official members so far, Queen Elizabeth and Kaiser William. They need a big posh proper website, while humble one-man operations make do with blogger. We're all having a great time, the abolitionist vegans promoting veganism here in New Zealand. We plan to work together even further, hopefully we can have a group episode very soon. For the big unveil, what could it be? Could the Invercargill Vegan Society now have a second member? Who knows? You'll just need to wait until the group episode. Spoiler, no, we're still stuck on one member. A recent story in New Zealand was of a dog who was, quote, literally cooked to death by being left in a car. As usual, the same people are screaming bloody murder, literally, and talking about how people are, quote, cruel to animals, don't get the death penalty they deserve, or 5,000 years in solitary confinement, something like that. The current maximum is just a paltry $75,000 fine, that's about 60000 American, let's say. This particular animal cruelty case of the week is about a dog left in a car who accidentally died. No doubt the person responsible for the animal is very upset, but the mob don't see it that way. I know of people who have reversed their car over a family pet before. I think it's horrible. They think it's horrible. They've never gotten over it, and they go berserk, checking again and again what's behind them before reversing from then on. Hopefully cameras built into modern cars will help. I don't think these people should be fined $75,000 for driving over their furry friend. Do you? If they'd somehow left a dog inside a car, and they died from the heat, should they be fined $75,000? I don't think so. I don't know what I'd do if I got hit with a $75,000 fine like that. It's an incredible amount of money. 
in my area, the average house is probably about $200,000, so let's say it's half the cost of a house, all for a genuine accident. As always, we can notice the SPCA and other welfare groups referring to the dead non-human as an IT. SPCA manager. It cooks, really, from the brain, the blood, every part of it. A dog doesn't sweat like you and I do. A dog can only cool itself down through panting. It's completely avoidable. It's completely unnecessary. A dog should only be transported in a car when it's going somewhere for the dog. He pleaded with the public to look after their pets responsibly. If the trip is not for the dog, don't take it. I don't know a simpler way of saying it, he said. How about by not saying it when you mean another sentient being? That would be a great start. It, it, it. This is from the SPCA. We shouldn't be treating animals as our things. Dogs never decided to build cars. Why do we drive them about? And by meaning somewhere for the dog, perhaps that means when we decide to drive a dog to the location we want to walk it. And when we want to go for a walk too, at a time that's convenient for us. A little like this clip of an interview with the co-founder of an animal sanctuary. I'm sure it's just a slip of her tongue. A little like it, it, it. To um, get a Chuck's multi-cloth and spritz it with water and yep. then you swirl it and swirl it and swirl it like a helicopter um, in the air. And it just freezes it right down. It makes it really cold. And then we used to tuck it in around the hobbits' necks. Oh, no, sorry, they are, no, it was the orcs, the orcs, around the orcs' necks because yeah. they had those big prosthetic heads on. Yeah. And um, it really, really cooled them down. And I'd taken that idea and, and do it with the animals. So my dogs have a um, bandana around their neck. When, when they look like they're getting hot, I take it off and I swirl it around in the cold air. And it really chills it. And then you pop it back around the neck again. Mm. Yeah, and 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 that. So so I guess anything. What you're saying is anything that kind of keep, might keep you cool. Um, consider it for your animals Most as well. Yeah, it's, it's just all the basics, isn't it? I mean, like an ice block, uh, a wet bandana, um, you know, um, shade. Yeah, exactly. Plenty of fluids. Um, it's all pretty similar, yep, really, isn't it? and fans and air conditioning, although that's probably not very green. But, um, mm. you know, anything like that. And, and if you need to, if you have a dog that's overheating and you need to cool it down, don't be shy. Chuck it in a river. Chuck it in a cold bath of water. Just anything you can do to, to get its body temperature back down again. It can be life-saving. Cripes, didn't a girl overseas get in trouble for throwing puppies into a river? Hey, Fido, time to go in the freezer again. I'm sure it was just informal New Zealand slang, chuck her on the barbie mate, that kind of thing. Also, the mention of how seemingly everyone in New Zealand worked on those three kinda well-known movies a decade ago. Yeah, it's true, 60 hours and 40 minutes through the third movie, who do you think was the stunt double for Aragon? Me, that's who. The entire Invercargill Vegan Society also filled in for a horde of orcs, well, they had to multiply me a few hundred thousand times. We get so worked up about fining people the $75,000 of dogs who overheat that we ignore the hot dog we're eating while watching the news. I can imagine one of the enraged listeners spitting out chunks of animal guts while howling for the blood of the person who accidentally left their furry friend in the car on a hot day. 
And as always, animal cruelty only applies to strange white male loners who cry themselves to sleep every night when not scratching pentagrams into their arms. The death of one man is a tragedy. The death of millions is a statistic, as Stalin reportedly said. To mention the chuck it in a river clip again, of making dogs wear bandanas, again with the gang paraphernalia. Seriously, it's as if these people can't get enough recruits into their gangs, to the point where they have to start counting their chicken friends as members of their vegan society to fill out the ranks, you know, above one actual member. Hmm, although they would kill insects if they caught them, but I stopped them. I've taken snails from Black Chick's beak before, she was very annoyed by it. And they do eat their own eggs, that's not vegan, but... Could it be like breast milk? Human milk is for humans, cow's milk is for cows, are chicken's eggs not for chickens to eat? So every pet belonging to a welfare group in New Zealand is gang-affiliated. You know what else is mobbed up? Fonterra, our dairy giant. Some folk invade for oil, others so they can sell stolen breast milk to the UN. Quote, the WikiLeaks saga is embarrassing politicians from both sides of the New Zealand political spectrum, as cables show the former Labour government sent troops to Iraq because it was nervous Fonterra would miss out on lucrative deals. Officials say it was not until the finance minister pointed out that New Zealand's absence from Iraq might cost Fonterra the lucrative dairy contract that the Prime Minister found a face-saving compromise. One of hundreds of leaked diplomatic cables, the information from the US Embassy in Wellington said the identities of the unnamed defence staff should be strictly protected after they briefed embassy staff on a cabinet meeting in which Helen Clark's government did an about turn on sending troops to Iraq. Clark decided to send engineers to Basra in a non-combat role to stop Fonterra losing the United Nations oil for food contracts. Two rotations of 61 engineers spent a year in Basra from September 2003, performing engineering and humanitarian tasks. The Americans were happy because they could claim another nation had joined their post-coalition invasion force. <laughs> I love saying that. Who wants to be a part of an invasion force? <laughs> so the only people who were losers were New Zealanders who wanted us to stay clear of any association with the Iraq war, Green Party Foreign Affairs spokesperson Keith Locke said. Crazy, right? It's like a mafia don forced us into it. So, you only went to buy New Zealand milk, do you? You better send some of your soldiers over to the desert to get their asses blown off. Also, you could join the coalition of the willing, or else, maybe if you don't, something bad could happen. Your back-ass little nation relies on exporting milk taken from cows, doesn't it? I've always found it embarrassing that we're so heavily reliant on agriculture. By that, I mean killing other animals and sending their frozen bodies overseas, or their breast milk, or wool, etc. Surely we can move on past that. Other countries make fighter jets and invade for their precious oil. We help them invade so we can sell a fatty white oil coming from other animals. Making a living from agriculture, hey, the fat of the land, or on the sheep's back. We can get past that. I found a reply from the Prime Minister at the time, Helen Clark. The New Zealand Herald article clarifies the allegations first, before quoting Clark. Quote, It said the Prime Minister found a face-saving compromise by sending non-combat engineers to be embedded with British forces. Miss Clark, now head of the United Nations Development Programme, <laughs> told Radio New Zealand the allegation was wrong. 
I am absolutely incensed at the suggestion that some defence ministry personnel seem to have made to various diplomats that there was any connection between my support for sending engineers to do humanitarian work in Iraq with the interests of Fonterra. I mean, this is simply preposterous. I find it hard to believe that some people are against WikiLeaks. Hey, we should believe whatever government officials say. I'm far from an anarchist, but come on. I won't go hacking into computers myself, but if it turns out my nation's young men and women, people my age are getting exploded in the desert by people pissed off at being invaded since the Cambrian explosion, we should be outraged about it. Not making our children sing songs such as this. R-E-S-P-E-C-T Respect Authority O-B-E-Y Obey Authority Come on, come on Respect Authority Come on, come on Obey Authority Come on, come on Authorities are here to help you do what they say And everything will be okay Come on, come on Respect Authority Come on, come on Obey Authority Jesus has authority In your life When he's Lord of your life So if you Listen and obey Success is yours today You will be okay R-E-S-P-E-C-T Holy hell, I'm changing the password on my life so that Jesus guy can't hack in and, you know, have authority over me. Man, is this what passes for punk rock now? (laughs) What's next? Gentleman rap? A group called African Americans with Respect? With their smash hit, Thank the Police? (laughs) The New Zealand Herald is a very well-respected New Zealand paper. Probably our most trusted source of information. I can't stand nearly all of the mainstream media. I can't wait until they're crushed under the weight of blogs and podcasts. Just like how nobody goes to dusty old libraries anymore. Who needs books when we have Wikipedia? The Herald have really done a great job covering the story of how Labour are trying to cover this up, the centre-left party leading our government at the time. All our parties work together, MMP. It's not just X versus Y. We have X, minor party A, minor party B, minor party C working together to make up the majority against Y and minor parties D and E. More from the Herald. Quote, But it would not be pushing credulity to claim the Clark government did not consider the clear desire by New Zealand business, particularly Fonterra, to ensure its Iraqi trade did not go down the tubes when the post-war reconstruction contracts were doled out, particularly when America still controlled the game. In an interview with this columnist in April 2003, just weeks after the United States-led invasion, Clark said a stable Middle East had to be good for a meat-producing nation like New Zealand. Before the Gulf War, Iraq was a good market for New Zealand, so the prospect of a change of government with a lot of foreign money going to rebuild capacity, there's got to be opportunities there. There was plenty more besides. It all hinges on getting some sort of internal political settlement in Iraq pretty quickly. Fundamentally, it's a rich nation. It's got an educated people. It's got oil, third largest in the world. End quote from our Prime Minister. The previous October, Goff signed an exemption notice enabling Fonterra to indirectly export dairy products to Iraq after the company gave a cast-iron assurance to the government its Vietnamese intermediate intermediary was operating legitimately under the UN's oil for food program. 
That assurance subsequently went into meltdown after an inquiry by former United States Federal Reserve Chairman Paul uh, Volcker. Man, I'm making deliberate errors all over the place now. Into widespread corruption surrounding the UN program. In Volcker's 2005 report, the intermediary, Vietnam Dairy Products, or Vena Milk, <laughs> was alleged to have paid US $23.5 million, 34 in New Zealand, in illegal kickbacks to former Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein's regime. Fonterra subsequently denied knowing any bribes were being paid by Vena Milk, or Vina Milk, and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, MFAT, said in 2005 its officials had not seen any evidence to suggest the co-op <laughs> knew of illicit payments to the Iraqi authorities. All of this suggests the previous Labour government was indeed prepared to go out of its way to protect Fonterra's Iraq trade. <laughs> this is nuts. Invading for oil, invading for milk. Some nations revere MLK, in Soviet New Zealand, we worship M-I-L-K, white gold, to a tapery tea. Come and listen to my story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food, and up to the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. The kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is, swimming pools, movie stars. The Beverly Hillbilly. Notice the start. Shooting at some food, went up from the ground, came a bubbling crude. Come on, that's obviously propaganda from the NRA. Kill little animals to feed your redneck family. It's like buying a lotto ticket. You're guaranteed to strike oil. Well, at least American television's gotten better, right? And then we have this new show, John, which you really must watch, called Bridoplasty. And Bridoplasty is an elimination-based reality show where the winner the uh, not only gets the... Uh, wedding of her dreams, but full-on plastic surgery. And as the uh, show progresses, they get little procedures that are on their list. So you'll literally see, you know, they have to complete some kind of puzzle or quiz, like, you know, uh, answer what color is the White House. And there's five contestants, but there's only four syringes of Botox on the table. <laughs> no, this is bull. Is no, this right? No, no, it's called bridalplasty. And you look at this, and it's like it's Who it dreams this stuff up, and it shows you everything that is wrong with the United States of America. And then you see these women like, oh, and they're holding onto the syringe, shaking like, oh, I've been dreaming about this Botox injection. And of course, the chick who doesn't get it, you know, you know, and it's always the it's always the one who actually wanted the breast job, but she had like. Uh, some cancer removed, so her breasts were actually a little deformed. She's the one that gets voted off. Yeah, it's still in New Zealand television. It's still a long way away from what we have here in New Zealand. And now it's time for everyone's favourite dragon, Albie. In the marmalade forest, forest Between the make-believe trees In a cottage cheese cottage Lives Albie And so, all of the villagers chased Albie, the racist dragon, into a very cold and very scary cave. It was so dark and so scary in there that Albie began to cry. Dragon tears, which, as we all know, turn into jelly beans. 
just then he felt a tiny hand on his tail, and he turned around, and who should it be but the badly burned Albanian boy from the day before. What are you doing? I thought I killed you yesterday, grumbled Albi quite racistly. No, no, Albi, you didn't kill me with your dragon flames. I crawled to safety, but I was left very badly disfigured, laughed the boy. Why are you crying, Albi? Well, all of the villagers chased me into this scary cave. I think it's because I'm so racist. Get your hand off my tail, you'll make it dirty. They didn't chase you here because of your racism. They chased me here too when I became all disfigured like this. They just don't like us because... because we're different to them. And at that, Albi cried a single tear which turned into a jelly bean. All the colors of the rainbow. And suddenly, Albi wasn't racist anymore. So they sat in the cave, the cave. and ate bubblegum pie. Yum! Albi the racist. Albi the racist. Albi the racist. Well, not anymore. Dragon. There's always some news about my region's, quote, dairy farms. I don't like using industry terms like poultry and meat. It makes everything seem so normal. I commented on a Southern Times article about dairy industry a cash cow, about how there were nothing ethical about what we did to other animals, regardless of how much short-term profits we made. I got a comment from one Glenn. This one's going to be fun to read. Hardly any word with more than four letters is spelt correctly. Jordan, mate, do that with what people do with their animals is to help them, and their families survive without dairy land products, New Zealand would be nothing. Being a farmer is not easy, mate. It's your choice to be a vegan, but you think about all the other non-vegans and the farmers. All the farmers are trying to do is live and help the other, let's say, 4 million New Zealanders that need iron calcium. It's a part of New Zealand's culture, (laughs) and no one can take that apart from New Zealand. Okay. As a butcher and ex-dairy farmer, this is what I think, and it's not actually cruel of what the farmers are doing. All they are doing is their job. Well, Glenn, sounds a lot like we were just following orders as we invaded other countries, dropping bombs, shooting down planes, killing children, and trying our best to exterminate an entire race. Whatever happened to personal responsibility? It's a point I try and make to the angry right-wingers who moan about politically correct tree-huggers who are also sure to be on the dole, living off government money. Because, you know, no vegan could possibly ever have a job. Let's look at what we ourselves are doing. Not blaming some massive multinational scapegoat. Doesn't sound very vegan, does it? Blaming all the problems of the world on one person or one corporation, one goat. Oh, KFC is awful for killing chickens. Boycott them until they gas them to death. Then they're good. One last story. I covered Miss Elephant, a circus elephant being trucked around the country to walk around the ring in costume. Well, the short, fat, hairy, and ill-mannered elephant trainer has recently got a huge payout. There's some talk about how the elephant, I always called her Miss Elephant, they call her Jumbo. What a terrible name. How Miss Elephant was given to the SPCA after a campaign to free her. 
Hopefully she'll end up in a sanctuary with other elephants soon, after so many years performing by herself, being kept in a small truck trailer. You know how I mentioned The Herald as being our most well-respected mainstream media outlet? Well, throughout this infernal article, Miss Elephant gets turned into a Mr. Elephant. It's outrageous. How could they not notice? And then she gives herself a sex change at the end again. Apparently, the elephant trainer was told some story by the circus. Oh yeah, that big grey thing. It ran away. It got lost somehow. Seriously, he really was told that she got lost. And so he managed to get some court settlement after being told this. Quote, Mr. Ratcliffe was awarded $10,000 for hurt, humiliation, and injury to feelings. Jumbo now lives at the Franklin Zoo, south of Auckland. Who knows, maybe she's yet another member of the Auckland Abolitionist Vegans Association. Well, that keeper insulted me as I walked over with my nice digital camera and a t-shirt with a parrot on the front while they were down here in Invercargill. You animal rights! You animal rights! I noticed all the carny children poking their heads out of different vans all around me, totally surrounded. Uh, sure, maybe, I said casually. Piss off! Get out of here! You come back, there's gonna be trouble! He threatened me. Yeah, well, I think I should get $10,000 too for that kind of treatment. Now called her original name, Mila, she is being rehabilitated so she could eventually socialise with other elephants when the chance arises. 37 years old, she could live for up to another 35 years. See, she went back to a she at the end. At least it's better than being called an it, I suppose. I'm still trying to do my best to promote veganism. I spend part of each work break searching Twitter for the word vegan. I try and offer encouragement. I must talk to at least three people each day who give me a positive reply. There are so many out there who tweet, I want to be vegan, but it's hard. I try my best to offer advice, other websites, podcasts, including my own, but I always mention that, full disclosure. Videos of chicken friends and the like. A common obstacle I come across while promoting veganism is my age, or lack thereof. Because I'm 23, I'm obviously too idealistic. <laughs> he still thinks he can change the world. I reply back that people older than myself might say age to be just a number. Why would it not apply to a younger man equally? Why, at 69, or possibly older, you can learn to DJ like Mummy Rock. Or Mammy Rock, I think they say it. Mammy Rock? Uh, we don't say Mammy here. You were talking about being of a certain age. Well, I don't really think it matters to hoots what age you are. If you're young in your mind and your spirit, I, I think it just doesn't matter. Of course, health is the most vital thing. If you have your health, you can do almost anything. Now you can listen to my new single, Still Rockin'.
age is just a number. Whether you're a 69-year-old plus female DJ or a 20-year-old guy with chicken friends. Anyway, who do you think is under Daft Punk's helmet? I wonder what they think of fellow DJ Mammy Rock, age 70 odd. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good. It though. could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. boo. We never know how old others are online through text, so let's treat each other equally. Who knows, maybe your favourite masked DJs could be the old geezers from Sesame Street. I hope this episode has been enjoyable to listen to. I'd love to hear your criticism. I'm going to try and force William, Elizabeth, Sam and Emmy to join me for a group episode soon, looking over the year 2010 for New Zealand veganism. If they refuse, fine, go ahead. I'll cancel their honorary memberships to the Invercargill Vegan Society. It's not like we need the members or anything. Not when I have my would-be bug-killing, egg-eating chicken friends. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com If you'd like to contact me, especially if you're Canadian and would like to point out an error, just send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash j-a-y-w-o-n-t-d-a-r-t. I'd really appreciate it. It's good to find all the bugs and errors. Thank you, my Canadian overlords, for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you certainly better for the planet, and most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.